Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, hello, hello. I am your host and founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And if you're thinking, hey, she seems a little bit more upbeat today, when you have noticed the little sprinkle of joy in my voice, because we are done with our No Porn November series, and we are going to do some lighthearted news articles today. Mm-hmm. So while we uh, think that the last month was really eye-opening, um, it was actually heavy. It was really heavy for us as we researched all of these different facets of the pornography industry. And anyway, I hope it was helpful to you. I'm glad, honestly, that it's behind us. If you haven't listened, still go back, listen. I think it's really valuable information all parents uh, need to know to really navigate culture, especially raising adolescents and young adults. So as always, joining me today is Chelsea Hazel. Hey, brave parents. It is good to be back and yeah, to be done with pornography. I mean, that was rough. You hit the nail on the head when you described it as heavy. Um, I I don't know a better word to describe it. But yeah, now we're going to pivot into thankfulness. And it feels good. feels good to be here in this space yeah. instead of uh, staring down the barrel of <laughs> dark evilness. Yeah. Thankfulness is fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so normally we would be doing Worldview Wednesday where we look at current headlines and examine them through a biblical worldview. And this is still Worldview Wednesday. But today we're going to be doing headlines that remind us to be thankful, remind us that there is still good that exists in the world. And since we had just celebrated Thanksgiving and now we're like moving into the Advent season, we thought it'd be just nice to share some of these headlines that uh, we can just kind of rest on. God is good. He is still on his throne. His purposes are good and he alone can be trusted. Amen. Amen. So, all right. Chelsea, go ahead and kick us off today with our first headline. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So this comes from USA Today. Um, The title is, Football Player Gives Homecoming King Crown to a More Deserving Student. English teacher Amy Finney erupted with applause when high school senior James Vera Peel was crowned homecoming king last month. Moments later, Finney was in tears as she watched Vera Peel, 17, present her developmentally disabled 19-year-old son, Parks, with the crown and sash. There wasn't a dry eye in the stadium, Finney told Today Parents. Parks, a student at Merritt Island High School in Florida, was born with periventricular leukomalacia, or PVL for short, said his mother. PVL is a birth injury caused by lack of oxygen or blood flow to the brain. The condition affects Parks' cognitive abilities and speech, but it hasn't stopped him from managing the softball and track field teams. Parks comes to all the games and most of the practices, and he cheers us on. He's a supporter of all the athletics, Vera Peel said. We call him the mayor because he knows everyone. He'll stop and ask, do you need anything? How are you doing? Vera Peel said, that all six of the nominees felt that Parks, who was part of the homecoming court, deserved the top honor. We came together and decided that no matter who wins, Parks should get it because he's a friend to all of us, Vera Peel explained. We love him. 
Parks was initially confused when he saw Verapil walking towards him. He thought I was coming to give him a high five or a fist bump, Verapil recalled. And then I was like, no, Parks, you're coming with me. And I brought him onto the field. And that's when Parks' face started to light up, Verapil said. Parks celebrated that night with a milkshake at Steak and Shake. His crown and sash are now prominently displayed in his bedroom. He told today that it makes him feel happy. Aww. I know, right? <laughs> this was like an all the feels kind of yes. article. I remember when you sent this to me while we were looking for articles that we could use for the, you know, the thankful episode for Worldview Wednesday. And I was like, yes, finally something that we can use because it had been hard to find articles uh, <laughs> actually for this is. episode. Like, it really actually is sadly hard. <laughs> Super duper hard. Yeah, I think I love how this article focuses on kindness, which I think everyone is kind of desperate for right now. I think that what this article also kind of slightly highlights is grace, but really only slightly. You know, this young man was given something he didn't earn that someone else earned for him. And that's grace. That's unmerited favor. Now, I want to take it a step further and highlight the biblical definition of grace because the one I just referenced really wasn't a true enough definition or comparison to God's definition. See, this young man whom everyone liked, well, he was kind. He was supportive. He was part of a community. He was generous. But what if he had been disliked? What if the young man who did win had picked his enemy instead? What if he picked someone who hated him, who rejected him, who mocked him, who ridiculed him? See, this is God's definition of grace, and it is so much sweeter and so much more life-changing. Because all of us in Christ, we were once enemies of God, and we did suppress the truth of him. We ignored his presence and his authority. And once upon a time, our father was the father of all lies. In Romans 5, Paul says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. And I think it's really important to read an article like this and really truly think biblically about it. I mean, it did make me feel good, but when I process it through God's word, this article makes me feel thankful. It gives me thankfulness for his loving kindness and his grace towards us. Yeah. It's an awesome way and really a great way to explain God's grace within the story because it would look very different if mm -hmm. they had chosen someone that wasn't so well-loved. Right. And you're right. The article does. It just makes you feel good. I, I just love that the group of high school boys could come together in agreement that whoever yeah. won, that they would give it to Parks. That, to me, demonstrates really a lot of integrity and character from the community and the young men that they're raising. We don't always find this uh, type of behavior among high school boys. <laughs> That's true. But, but I'm just going to be really honest. What kind of makes me sick, and it's it's my own thoughts. It's where I go, probably because of how much <laughs> research we do into this. Yeah. I immediately began to wonder if these boys knew a public demonstration like this could actually, you know, go, quote, viral. I know. <laughs> if, mm -hmm. if they could kind of have their, like, five minutes of fame. And, and I wish I didn't think that way. But sadly, in our social media-driven world, it's a real possibility that we are putting these good deeds out there because it's content. Right. I don't want to take that away from them, but I really think that um, what I love about 
the article is ultimately, it does demonstrate what Philippians 2.3 instructs us to do. Mm-hmm. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he did give his homecoming crown away. That is never going to be in his room, hanging up with his sash, making him you know, happy. That is a gift that he has given to that young man, Parks. And so that's a really sweet thing. Mm-hmm. It is. All right. Let's go to my headline. And this um, actually, so some of these articles came out a few weeks ago. So maybe it's a little bit of old news. But nonetheless, I feel like it's super relevant for us to talk about. And this is the headline. Kentucky coal miner goes viral over picture of him at son's basketball game. This was on Friday, October 28th, and this was, there's many articles all over the place, but this was posted um, in The Guardian, and it says, quote, pictures of a Kentucky coal miner and his family went viral after an image shared widely showed that he had rushed straight from a shift in the mine to take his young son to the university's basketball game, so as not to miss the boy's first live basketball experience. Michael McGuire hurried after work to watch a University of Kentucky scrimmage game with his son in Pikeville in the eastern part of the state. Still clad in his work uniform and covered in coal dust, McGuire's determination to spend quality time with his son captured much attention. The article goes on to say how the University of Kentucky head coach had tweeted how his family's American dream began in the coal mines and how special this was to him. He then offered Michael's family VIP tickets at Rupp Stadium, where University of Kentucky plays. The head coach is quoted as saying, quote, isn't it neat for someone like that, who is a quiet, humble guy, to know people appreciate you, and we appreciate what you stand for, the coach reports on Tuesday. And I appreciate it because it's how my family got their start in this country, end quote. So I did love this story so much. First of all, I love the University of Kentucky. That is where I spent my freshman and sophomore years of college. And that was back in the 90s when the University of Kentucky basketball team was like winning national championships. And so kind of brings back sweet memories for me. (laughs) But more than that, I love this story because it demonstrates two core values that are increasingly lacking in modern society. Number one, hard work. And number two, present and active fathers. This father not only disregarded his physical appearance in order to exchange that for quality time with his son, but he balanced the quality time alongside the need to work and provide for his son and for his family. So often, I think we see society just focusing on the entertainment and the pleasure, all of that being prioritized over hard work and especially hard manual work. One aspect that um, they kind of pointed out and that I'll elaborate on here is that they were in East Texas. And so the University of Kentucky and Rupp Stadium is in Lexington, Kentucky, which is like North Central and several hours drive. So the dad knew that his chance to see University, University of Kentucky basketball near their home was so rare. So he prioritized that experience of taking him to see that first live game. However, that pleasure and experience doesn't overvalue the hard work to provide for his family. So Michael made both work. I love that. And I think that's why most Americans love this story. Because this story, just as that head coach um, Calipari shared, it demonstrates 
how so many hardworking Americans have, quote, achieved this dream, if you will, that they're living there through hard work and sacrifice. Michael showed up being covered in soot. And, you know, his coal mining, it really just embodies his, his career and his dedication to his son, both ideals. It's just, it's great. And thinking biblically, like, I know that scripture is not going to ever provide an exact answer to, you know, whether you should go home and shower first or go to the game dirty. <laughs> because I think he even says in the article, like he debated, like, if I go home and shower, we're going to miss part of it. <laughs> and he was not willing to miss any of it. But it does give instructions, right, about not spoiling the child, we're not exacerbating our children, right, to raise them up in the way they should go. And fathers have been an integral and imperative piece of the family unit since the beginning of time. And in recent decades, now that we see more and more children being raised without fathers, and we know this statistically leads to worse outcomes for the child, it's so awesome to see present and active fathers. Um, they, children need their fathers, they need their discipline as well as their presence. And I think in a world where we don't see that very often, that's why we just celebrate it. This picture when it went viral and he didn't take a picture of himself and put it viral. Like someone saw him in the stadium and took it. And because in their heart, they were like, this is awesome. And then everybody just responded to it. And so anyway, that's the beautiful thing. It is. This dad, he gets like the GOAT award for 2022. It really was. It was awesome to see it. I remember seeing the picture pop up in the news. It was in like literally smashed in the middle between two articles that were honestly demeaning parents and the roles of parents, especially in, you know, the young transgender relationship. And it's true. It's just like the media. And I don't, I don't know if it's the media. I don't know if it's, it's an ideology apparently throughout America right now, but they're really trying to erode the parent-child relationship. And then here's this dad who represents what parenting truly is. It's a sacrifice for your children. I don't know. I felt like this article really helped me remember to be thankful for the opportunity to sacrifice for my kids Mm -hmm. because it just brings God so much glory. When our testimony, when our our parenting testimony is we sacrifice for them because he paid the ultimate sacrifice for us, well, (sighs) y'all, that is a good word for another human right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It really does. It makes me wonder um, when something like this goes so viral and is so, I don't know, I want almost want to say celebrate it because it's just the core goodness of what we know so many parents are doing all around the country. But and then the, the media somehow portrays like us parents as these evil oppressors. <laughs> right. And so, but I don't think that's the general consensus of Americans. Right. Generally. I agree. Yeah. They're just trying to smash it in our face and make us believe it's the general consensus. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So way to go, Michael. What an awesome dad. I know. Enjoy those uh, VIP tickets. Those are a lot of money, aren't they? Like, uh, yeah, University sure. of Kentucky? I'll be They're honest. I don't crazy follow. about basketball. Yeah, they are. I don't follow college basketball very much at all anymore. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I know. So I have no idea if they're still good. Any- I don't know. <laughs> I did, obviously, when I was in college, but. I mean, maybe if they're really good, they're probably worth a lot. But nonetheless, the experience of seeing them in their own university stadium. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. It's just going to be What a memory for his son, too. My dad did this crazy awesome sacrifice and this blessing came out of it. I mean, we don't want him to believe in like a prosperity gospel sort of deal. But yeah, what an awesome memory for his son, too. Yeah, and I I don't think that this dad is going to like start a TikTok account doing like stuff. 
right after he gets off work from the coal mine and, and covered in soot. Like, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. I think this guy is probably a little <laughs> too humble for that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. My next article is from Insider. The title is, A 95-Year-Old Woman Who Survived Auschwitz and Became a Psychologist Says That Having a Happy Family Has Brought Her Healing. And this came out on November 3rd of 2022. When Edith Eager was a teenager struggling to survive in Auschwitz, she prayed for the people holding her prisoner. If I would have died there, it would have been praying for the guards, Eager told Insider. She didn't know then that she would survive the death camp or eventually move to the United States where she would become a prominent psychologist and speaker on personal healing. But Eager did know, even in those desperate moments, that forgiveness was powerful. Forgiveness gives me freedom, she said. Eager doesn't think of forgiveness as something you give to other people, but as a gift you give yourself. Many people, including Eager's sister, who's, who was in the concentration camp with her, wanted revenge. That's understandable. But the satisfaction from revenge was short-lived, Eager said. The satisfaction from forgiveness allows you to lay down the burden of your trauma. I want to be free, Eager said. Whatever I carry with me makes me not free. I want to live in the present and I cannot change the past. The only revenge she chased was growing a healthy, happy family, which she said is her best revenge on Hitler. Ooh. I like that one too. I'm surprised Dude. they consider that a news article. I know. I was so thankful for this article for two reasons. I feel like we had to kind of like mine, you know, for some of this thankfulness, but the mining was good. It was a good, um, worth the effort. And, but I was thankful for this for two reasons. First, it highlighted the beauty of family. And I think we've, we, keep, we keep coming back to that, <laughs> don't we? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but yeah, in the mainstream media for the past two years, there's been a nonstop barrage of destruction towards the nuclear family, and it has gotten overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a few weeks ago, in a Worldview Wednesday, we talked about young adults who are refusing to have children and even going so far as sterilizing themselves, either because the rising cost of living or the environmental issues are kind of like their reasons for doing it. But here we have this woman who survived arguably one of the worst mm-hmm. atrocities in the history of humanity, and still decided to have a family. Now, compared to these kids who are sterilizing themselves because they're afraid of the weather, she has one of the strongest reasons not to have a family. Honestly, she, she went through something mm-hmm. horrific. Now, I don't know if having a family out of revenge is the best motivation to have a family, but we can agree that family truly is a blessing. And this is an incredibly strong testimony for the goodness of family. While so many young people are considering abandoning the command, command, to have kids. I think we truly take the family unit for granted, but it is one of the greatest blessings from God. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I was thankful for this article because it highlighted two more important topics, prayer and forgiveness. And as a counselor, I'm thankful for the concept of forgiveness and prayer and finding its way into this mainstream media article because they do truly have the power to change a trauma narrative. Mm. But even more so, I want to take it a step further and argue that Christ is better. His ability to change us, to sanctify us, to turn us more into a likeness of him that's worked through his spirit in us offers us the best and longest lasting change under the sun. And I mean, just a little added bonus, the spirit is literally called the counselor in scriptures. 
I mean, how amazing is that? (laughs) Christ has the power to move us from bitterness to joy, from hopelessness to meaningfulness, from anger to peace, and so much more. And I don't, I don't know if this woman ever came to Christ, but that makes all the difference in her understanding versus our understanding of prayer and forgiveness. And we're going to look at this article through a biblical worldview, but I would argue that her framework for prayer and forgiveness appear, at least from this article, to be built upon her standard of morality and not Christ's standard. And I would like to know how much of her own effort and energy she has had to use to sustain that narrative rather than being able to rest in Christ and his accomplished work. But again, I will agree with her that forgiveness and prayer helped her change the narrative of the traumatic events that occurred. Mm -hmm. In articles like these, we must have discerning hearts that can find things that we agree on, but then argue for what is the better option. And I am arguing that Jesus is the better option. He always has been, and he always will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enthralled with stories from the Holocaust and World War II. Because the strength of the people is like nothing we see today. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. It's absolutely incredible how much they survived. And then they went on living as a survivor and thriving as survivors. I mean, what we go through is nothing, nothing compared to what something like Auschwitz would have been. I mean, I think today I feel like the slightest error or wrongdoing, even if done in negligence, becomes offensive and traumatizing to young people. Yeah. They live in a constant like victim mentality where everything happens to them without any responsibility of their own. And then they somehow just can't get out of bed. They can't go to work. You know, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to minimize the, the mental health crisis. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but I definitely see that there is just a victim mentality. And what this woman demonstrates is a survivor mentality. And I think that is just beautiful. I really wish that students were required to research survivors of the Holocaust and write papers on them and what they went on to do. I mean, because it really, their perseverance is incredible. And as a Christ follower, I could only hope that I could honestly be as forgiving and faithful to Christ in my suffering or any suffering or persecution that I may ever face. Right. That I could have that same mindset. And ultimately, I should. I've got the Holy Spirit, like you said. Uh, I, frankly, I just want to be able to forgive that quickly, period. I mean, mm-hmm. She's right. It mm-hmm. is a gift to yourself. It mm-hmm. is freedom. And um, holding on to bitterness and wanting revenge, it just doesn't, it doesn't hurt the other person. It only hurts us. And so she, I was just so blessed to be able to see that in the midst of her suffering. That, what a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. We're just cruising right along, y'all. All these great stories. We don't have to go on any long tangent. <laughs> There's no soapboxes here. <laughs> All right. I'll take this last one. And that is adorable grandmother took notes during 30 Marvel superhero films so she can relate to her grandkids. So this was posted on November 18th, 2022. And I actually had to find this. I literally Googled y'all positive news stories or something like that. <laughs> you did not. I'm I did. Sorry. I did. I was like, I cannot find anything else that's like good. And so this comes from the goodnewsnetwork.org. Did you know that that existed? I had no <laughs> idea. Well, that is awesome. I found it. So coming from the Good News Network, if you want to see good news, you can just go there. So this one jumped out at me. 
<laughs> Sorry, it sounds like a cult, Kelly, on the Good News Network. <laughs> I was a little desperate. Like we, like you said, we had to really mine for some of these. I wanted four, and I only had three. <laughs> okay, so the article goes to say, uh, Grandmother was filmed by her 18-year-old grandson while taking notes during a Marvel superhero movie marathon, which at this point includes 30 films, all so she can be closer to her grandkids and talk to them about their interests. Cheryl, who is in her 70s, has 13 grandchildren in total, ages 6 to 22, and they're all big Marvel fans. Rather than writing off their interests as frivolous as grandparents are wont to do, she decided to get on the same level as those whippersnappers. (laughs) By the way, the article actually says whippersnappers. So (laughs) that's not that's not my language. Um, oh, now, the article says the watch list, which started with 2008 Iron Man, has 30 films, including the latest Black Panther Wakanda Forever, with even more films lined up for 2023 and beyond. Now, the grandson who filmed it, he apparently moved in with her. And so he noticed what she was doing. And he either thought it was just so sweet or potentially he saw that this was potential, you know, good content for TikTok. So he filmed it on and posted on TikTok. And he says, quote, it went viral really quickly. It hit 1 million views within the day I posted it. He says, quote, I remember I posted the video on TikTok. I set my phone down and watched an episode of a TV show. And then I picked my phone up and I had 3000 plus notifications. Okay. Wow. I hate to taint this wonderfully new story with that last paragraph. <laughs> I know. I but, know. But, okay, so I can actually see why this would go so viral. This is such a sweet story of a woman who is taking time to invest in relationships with her grandchildren. I think in our very uh, postmodern era, the expanse of differences between baby boomers and Gen Z, that is as wide as the Grand Canyon. It can be really hard for grandparents to connect on any level with young grandkids, especially Gen Z and, and whatever that next generation is called. Mm-hmm. If I can be honest, like brutally honest, there are some things about young people culture I do not want to engross myself in in order to be relevant to my own kids. Young, young people culture. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. That else? just totally like dated us, Kelly. <laughs> it's true. Those young whippersnappers. I know. (laughs) But like, I don't like pop rap music of today. I do not want to know anything more than I already know about Cardi B and Juice World. Like, I don't, I don't want to use their (laughs) slang, like, which actually I don't even think would actually make me feel, seem relevant to them. They would just make me be cringe. Like, oh, mom, don't say that. Right. Um. (laughs) I, I really don't like Netflix and streaming services. That's just not my thing. I don't like TV shows like that. Um, yeah. So as I think about this, I thought, oh, am I, would I be willing to kind of do this? <laughs> I don't know, right? So I have one grandchild now, and um, she's four. So it's really easy to be relevant to a four-year-old. They're, it's just super fun and easy. You just play. Yeah, but I like they, my spirit animals. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Four years old is like my favorite age. It's just the best. But as they get older and I get older, 
you know, I'm probably really going to have to suck it up and, and get to know some of the things of their world. Um, because I see my mother and my mother-in-law really, they are making efforts to just constantly stay in relationship because it's really easy to just mm-hmm. not because that, that gulf of difference is so wide. And so I immediately thought of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. You know, though I, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And I think it's a great example of this grandmother. Um, she's setting a, a priority for a relationship with her grandchildren. That, and that's hopefully what they see is that she desires a relationship with them. Because when it comes down to it, you know, we, the longest study ever done on like happiness and uh, what makes someone happy is not success, money, or anything like that. It's relationships. It's deep mm-hmm. and meaningful relationships. And not only this grandmother, but her grandchildren too, they're both benefiting from a, a mutual relationship because this is what relationships require. They require hard work. They require that you, you invest something. Good relationships don't just happen. Um, I think there's also, again, here we go, the family unit. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. like, there's this trend. And of course it's happening on social media where you just cancel your family who is toxic. You just cut them out. You don't need them. And you just kind of cancel them because you didn't actually choose them. That was just nature, you know, <laughs> happening. And right. so you just can choose and define who your own family is. I've seen several articles like this. And so, man, how sad, right? Because no one, no one, no one will ever be there for you like your family will. There's just something about that. No, granted, some people don't have great, great families. And for that, that's, it's sad and tragic, in which case friends become, you know, they do become your family. But overall, if you have family, we prioritize them. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, Marvel movies is a real easy way to do that. She's not watching Beyonce and Cardi B videos. So I think. (laughs) That's true. What do you think? I don't know, Kel. Seems sus. (laughs) Am I cool now? Am I relevant? No, no. I just told you. That's just cringe. It's just cringe. Oh, dang it. <laughs> using, using their slang. That's not, it's not bussing, as they I say. I feel like the second greatest gift in parenting is embarrassing your children. And so I oh, love yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness, this grandma really is awesome. She reminds me of my grandma, my bada. She was an incredible woman, and she left a legacy that was just kind of rich with sacrifice and love. Um, One of my favorite stories is when she stood out in the freezing cold right before Christmas to stand in line to get me a first edition Furby, y'all. A Furby. I still have that Furby, okay? It is- Remind me what a Furby was? Was it like a little stuffed animal? A little stuffed animal, folks. Do you hear this? 
You're younger than me. I don't think I ever had a Furby. No, a Furby was like, I think they got sued because they looked too much like gremlins, but they were like animatronic, like robotic or whatever. And you could like teach them how to talk and like rub their little bellies and like (laughs) feed. (laughs) Clearly, you uh, were very fond of your Furby. Dude, I still have it. I have bequeathed it to my daughter. And I was like, if I find that that Furby has been damaged, I am taking it back. (laughs) But I totally understand what you're talking about, the young folks culture. I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Like walking that fine line between being able to hold a conversation with your grandkid and also not exposing yourself to every trend under the sun. But Deuteronomy 4.9, I think he kind of highlights this. He's The Lord says, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. So we still have like a command, Kel, right? Yeah. To disciple our grandchildren. Lord willing, we have, I mean, I have any, I know you have one, but we, have, we still have to keep our soul diligently. We don't ever get to a, a ripe old age where we're like, I'm good. I'm set. I'm I'm totally, you know, sanctified and yeah, nothing's going to trip me up because that's not the truth. We can be tripped up at right. any age. Right. I think it's a lot of western culture too. The grandparents aren't as involved in families' lives so much as it is in eastern cultures. Yeah, I would agree of, with you. A lot of times um grandparents live with them. They're part of the rearing process and Yeah. And so it's it is different. I mean, here in America, especially with it's so easy for us to move so far away from family that I think those yeah. type of grandparents really have to even work harder. But the value of the grandparent-grandchild relationship is really crucial. Yeah. You almost have to to jump that generation, you know, whereas parents can be like, oh, they're so lame, mm-hmm. you know, to kids. Mm-hmm. But then somehow their grandparents, who are probably, you know, more conservative, more, <laughs> right, we're more right. strict, we're all these things. Right. Somehow they're like... They tend to connect and be relevant to young people. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I grew up in an intergenerational household, and I value the time that I got to spend with my grandparents. You know, they taught me the goodness of like Rogers and Hammerstein and I Love Lucy and all those black and whites that were really fantastic. Um, and then when we lived in Germany for a few years, I remember my grandparents sacrificing. I mean, they didn't make a lot of money, but every year they would come out and they would visit us. Um, mm. And I know they kind of got like discount plane tickets because – one of my uncles works for the airlines, but I remember that. I remember the sacrifice of both sets of grandparents um, as I grew up. And I don't know, I, I agree with you. I think it is an Eastern thing. I think I was just kind of blessed in that to have in a Western culture an intergenerational household. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was, it was good. Um, not all the time, but it was good. But I yeah. Think, I, I think th- a lot of times too, grandparents can have a really positive impact on what the grandchild does, believes, all of that. So it's not that you always have to be relevant, but you don't even, I mean, as long as you're just there and present in a relationship, you can actually influence them towards the gospel at an early age. You can, I mean, my father and my nephew, so his grandson is, uh, I mean, they're like twins. (laughs) (laughs) Best friends. (laughs) They, um, my dad is is a diesel mechanic on Caterpillar equipment and from the youngest of ages, I remember watching my dad and my nephew like play with the Caterpillar trucks and do all of this. Well, yeah. my nephew is now, I think, like 22. 
and he went grew up and became did the same job. He works, you know, with my dad alongside my dad. Such, my my father had such a positive and influential role in mm-hmm. his life, and that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to learn the the you know the lingo or the movies or anything like yeah. that of it, but but he was constantly present, constantly engaged, and really had an impact on his life. And yeah. not that you know his parents weren't there; they were there and present and active, and right. it was just a beautiful thing. And I immediately thought of that. And so it's sometimes if you have a lot of grandkids that span big age groups, like she, this woman was six to twenty-two, it can be hard. To be relevant yeah. in that. And so yeah. Marvel movies is a real easy one, you know, mm-hmm. to do. Like if you've not seen, you know, maybe Lord of the Rings or some other movie, it, it, you know, they're generally right. not too harmful. You can find some biblical principles in, in these movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a real um, kind of get your feet wet into mm-hmm. young people culture. I don't think that I would, yeah, start watching any, like I said, some Cardi B videos or anything like that to be relevant. Yeah, please, but. please don't, please don't do that. We don't, we're not endorsing, no, we're not endorsing a, a sexual immorality. Um, no, I think what you just said is really crucial. Part of my testimony is this, is, is um, when I was a kid, it was my grandmother who took me to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not where I became a Christian, but it is where I learned the fear of the Lord. Um, I didn't know Jesus. I did know God and he was almighty and powerful and downright scary, but in a good way because he's holy. But I, you know, my grandmother since passed on, but it would be really awesome if I could, you know, tell her, you know, you were part of my testimony. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an incredible role that grandparents can play. So, Mm -hmm. well, awesome. These were four headlines that just focused on family, the value of that, of thankfulness, of forgiveness, of being present. These are just core values that we as brave parents really want to foster, not only in our own homes, but all of us should be doing. So mm-hmm. fun way to just focus on these for a while. Chels, thank you. Absolutely. Always fun to be on here. Yeah. Talking about these uh, young whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, y'all. We hope you enjoyed this. Be sure to share the podcast with your friends. It's how other brave parents can gain the encouragement and insight that they need to keep their biblical worldview in this crazy media and technology saturated world. Until next time, go and be brave.